Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you today. Certainly good to be with our online friends and family as well, and certainly hope this time will be a joy for you as we make the journey from Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, to the cross, to His resurrection. This is a powerful and profound week. I know you know that, uh, but I just want to highlight that this, there's a lot that happens in seven days, as they say, and uh, we're in for a great journey throughout this week. So I do encourage you to be here Thursday night uh, for communion, uh, Friday night for commemoration of the cross, and certainly Easter Sunday morning as we celebrate the grand and glorious day of resurrection. So I know you're praying about and considering who it is you will invite to Easter and how it is we can all celebrate together. That will be a gift, a gift. So, you know, several years ago in our household, I made a conscious decision that I would become the primary grocery shopper. Not the sole, but the primary grocery shopper. I happen to be the primary cook in the household as well. I love to cook. And I imagine I made this decision for a couple of reasons. One, I probably decided to go grocery shopping because I have OCD and I want everything that I want. And so, I wanted to make sure I would get what I wanted, right? So, that was a quick and easy solution. The other component was I, I realized that if I wanted to eat, I would need to go grocery shopping. So I decided to go grocery shopping. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I tend to go early in the morning because I try as best I can to avoid those professional shoppers. You know, the ones who work for the grocery store who are fulfilling your online orders? Have you ever been in the store when they're going through? Get out of their way because you're going to get run over, right? And so if you go early in the morning, you don't have to deal with nearly as much of that. But when I go shopping, I enjoy taking my time, finding what I want, kind of scouting out everything. And a couple of years ago, I discovered something that I absolutely adore. Have you ever found those tomatoes with the vines on them? Those are cool, aren't they? I mean, I love them. Part of what I love is, number one, it just looks pretty, right? I mean, the, golly, there's the green vine and the plump red tomato, and everything looks good. But a part of what I love is those vines bring life to those tomatoes, right? I mean, they literally look vibrant and whole and full and ripe right there in the store. And the good news is when you bring them home and you leave the vine on, they continue to keep their vividness and their vivaciousness, right, and all the tastefulness. And so you can see and even smell and certainly taste how rich and full they are when they stay on the vine. Isn't that cool? Same thing is true with grapes, right? If the grapes fall off the vine, if they're in your bag or in your bin in the refrigerator, they don't tend to last as long. But when they're on the vine, man, they keep their fruitfulness. They keep their fullness, don't they? What a great metaphor for our faith, right? That we need to keep connected to the vine, that we need to remain in the life source, Jesus and so today, as we uh, sort of wrap up in some ways our I Am Jesus series, we want to highlight what is chronologically, at least, Jesus' last I Am statement. It comes uh, from the 15th chapter of John's Gospel. But uh, what that I Am statement is, is I am the true vine. And a part of what we begin to recognize and hopefully uh, fill in our own faith lives is that when we remain connected to the vine, we find strength and life and support and sustenance, and the vine brings that life just like it does for those tomatoes. 
Unfortunately, what happens for many of us is we, we tend to try to find those sources of life and sustenance in other forms, whether through our vocation or, or through wealth or status or through other concepts in our lives. And we, we see that temporarily we often find that life or find that fulfillment, but then it kind of it wanes, doesn't it? And it doesn't always last. But if we remain connected to the vine, Jesus Christ, we begin to find the strength and source of hope and life that we need. When we look for other sources, it's not unlike those who were in Jerusalem when Jesus showed up. When Jesus showed up uh, traveling into Jerusalem on that donkey, you know, the people were waving those palm branches and they were shouting, Hosanna, loud Hosanna. And you know what Hosanna means, right? Lord, save us. That's what it means. Lord, save us. And every last one of them who was waving those uh, uh, palm branches and shouting Hosanna Lord, save us. What they wanted, what they were looking for, was a mighty military political ruler, someone to save them from Caesar, someone to save them from the political oppression that they had faced, someone who would save them from their enemies. And so they cried, Hosanna, loud Hosanna. Several days later, when Jesus turned out not to be that kind of a savior, not that political ruler, not that military might, the same voices would cry, crucify him, crucify him. And we've got to ponder a little bit about that, that sometimes that's us. Sometimes we're looking for that Savior in other things, like a vocation or, or like status or wealth or whatever, and we realize that's not really what we're looking for. That's not really what we need. What we need is somebody to save us from ourselves, from our sin from that which keeps us from fully understanding and knowing God. We need that Savior, and thankfully, God knows that we need that Savior and provides it in Jesus. He is the true vine. That's what He shares. When we find ourselves in John's gospel, we hear these great words from Jesus as He's preparing His disciples for His physical departure and their readiness for what it means to be His follower and how it is they will live that out. These are the words that Jesus shares in John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, He prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Friends, the powerful gift that John presents to us and Jesus represents to us is that as the vine, he is the source of life. And he offers us this beautiful image of how it is we can source and resource that life. 
It's an interesting metaphor, isn't it? In modern day times when we're not overly agrarian and we're not necessarily all in the plants and, and things of that nature, we don't always relate to that. But if ever you have grown roses, if ever you have grown a wisteria, if ever you've grown any form of a vine at all, you know of the needfulness of what sometimes is referred to as canopy management, right? The ways in which we have to keep control and keep access, and it becomes important. This is not a new metaphor to Jesus. This concept of the vine actually uh, is throughout the prophets. Uh, several times in, in Hosea and Ezekiel, even in Isaiah and Jeremiah, the prophets speak into this vine image. Listen to just a couple of them from Isaiah, for instance. In Isaiah chapter 5, uh, uh, Isaiah says this about Israel. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his cherished garden. Beautiful image, right? They are the vine, and, and Judah is the garden. You go into Jeremiah the prophet in the second chapter, and he says this, but I planted you, meaning Israel, I planted you as a special vine, as a very good seed. How then did you turn into a wild vine that grows bad fruit? Not a good image, right? But nonetheless, we see this image of what it means for God to provide a vine, and, and in Israel at least, the, the Israelites were the vine. That's not the image we want. That's not what Christ is calling you and I to. He is the vine. We are the branches, and God is the vine grower. And once we finally get that understood in our hearts and in our lives, it begins to change how it is we live and how it is we relate to Christ and, and to all of God's creation. He is the vine, and we are the branches. That will set us in a right format for our hearts and for our lives. And so Jesus, in John chapter 15, begins to offer us uh, what I will personally refer to as viniculture wisdom. You know that word, viniculture? Uh, if you grow grapes and you're providing them for wine and preparing wine, viniculture is all of that stuff, all of the science, all of the art, all of the understanding of how you tend the soil and how you grow the vine and how you tend the fruit and how you uh, render the fruit and how it produces a good glass of wine. Viniculture. Jesus has some wisdom for us about the vine. And it applies to every last one of us, and we need to hear it because when it applies to us, it will help us, just like it helped the disciples, become better followers of Jesus. He gives us at least three tidbits of wisdom that we need to hear, that we need to abide by as well. Notice you heard that word abide several times, remember? Over the last couple of weeks, we've referred to that word abide. It's the Greek word meno. And here, 10 times, 10 times right here in just these, these eight verses, Ten times Jesus is saying, dwell, meno, abide, remain, be with, right? And you can kind of glean that in the imagery of the vine, right? The vine has to abide, remain, dwell in the branch and so forth and so on so that we find sustenance and strength, fortitude for the journey. We well, hear some of Jesus' viniculture wisdom that we need to take. First thing that we hear right off the bat is that we need to learn how to value pruning. Value pruning. Have you ever grown roses? Anybody? Anybody? You know how when you prune those roses, they look really ugly? But you know how needful it is? Why do we prune? We prune not to make it look pretty because it doesn't look pretty at all. 
We prune to remove things that are superfluous, things that won't have any helpfulness to the plant, right? So sometimes it's dead branches. Sometimes it's just the loose branches. Sometimes it's the leaves and all of that. But whenever we prune, we prune down to the core, don't we? To the core branch. I'll never forget the very first time I pruned some of our roses. I think Kay literally went to the back room and cried because she saw what it looked like, and it looked atrocious. When we first prune a plant back, it does not look good, does it? But it's needful, isn't it? The pruning becomes purposeful for the plant. In fact, what it does is recenters and revitalizes all of the energy towards the source so that it can then regrow and so that it can literally flourish. If ever you've been uh, through grapevines or through vineyards, you, you know this process. Look at a, a vineyard that's been pruned. Look how ugly it is. I mean, there's nothing pretty about any of that other than maybe the rose or the grass, right? But when you look at the vines, they just look like a twig sticking out of the ground, right? But when we prune, it provides all of the energy and all of the vitality for the plant to become thriving. So this same vineyard looks like this. After it's been pruned, after it's been nurtured, after it's been tended, after it's done everything that's needful, the pruning is critical for life and for thriving. For faith, the same is true. Every once in a while, we need some pruning from God, some, some cutting back, some, some sort of foraging that says, that behavior's not altogether helpful, that attitude won't really work. Those kinds of circumstances are not best for you. We need to allow God to sort of prune us back. And if we don't, you remember what Jesus said, those branches are gathered together, thrown into a fire, and burned. Is that vivid enough for you? Right? We don't want that. And so part of what happens is there's a form of what I'll refer to as atrophy, right? That is to say, if we are not allowing God to prune us, to sort of to, to diminish those things that are superfluous, not helpful, not good for our faith journey, not good for our lives even, if we don't allow God to, to do that, then we will have extra stuff, and that extra stuff takes us away from a relationship with God. And that extra stuff sometimes causes us to get turned away from God, where our energies and our sources of life are become not helpful because we've not allowed God to prune us, to cut us back. It's never fun. It's rarely easy, and we rarely enjoy it. And yet, I can affirm, as I can only assume you can affirm, that when God has purged me or pruned me, and I have welcomed it, it goes well. Just three short years ago, you may recall, in the month of March, uh, we had to shut church down. And there was a form of pruning that went on real quick. I mean, like real quick. And as a pastor, I had to let go of the image of what church looked like. I had to let go of what it looked like for your smiling faces to be in this room. I had a purging, a pruning, and it was actually quite helpful and healthy for me to realize we could still reach people via the internet. We could still reach people quite literally across the globe. Some of you may remember we reached over 25 different nations in that first year. We reached people that we would have never reached, but it was only because we accepted the pruning 
that helped us realize that God can work in different ways. Have you ever been pruned? Have you ever allowed God to work on your heart? I want to invite you to value pruning because it makes a tremendous difference in the ways in which we can then focus on our God, the vine grower, and receive life from the vine source, Jesus Christ. I love the way James put it, the brother of Jesus. He said this in his letter at the very beginning. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Part of James's wisdom is recognizing that pruning can be very beneficial. I want to invite us to welcome God's pruning in our lives. For a short period, it will look ugly. For a time, it will feel awkward. But in the end, it provides an amazing way to thrive. The second thing that Jesus points out to us that's viniculture wisdom is that we need to um, keep connected to the vine, right? When we are connected to the vine, Jesus Christ, we get life. That's what He came for. That's what He did. He offered His life that we might have life, right? And the more we can remain connected to Him, the more our branches can produce beautiful and there's all kinds of ways for us to understand that fruit, but it's fascinating, um, literally in viniculture, when the vines and the branches commingle and interface and work themselves together, that's what a vinologist wants, a vine grower. They want the vines and the branches to almost look sort of synonymous and one together, much like this picture. When you look at this picture of the grapes, notice the branches and the vines are commingling, and they almost all look the same. The only, only distinction is the size of the vine versus the size of the branch. But notice how full that fruit is because they've allowed pruning first, and the, they've allowed the branches to remain connected to the vine for strength. This is where the canopy management comes in. The canopy management is important. If you let that canopy get too big, too full, too broad, it suffocates the fruit. But if you've, if you've allowed the pruning and you've allowed the connection to the vine to remain, there is vitality and strength and wholeness for those grapes. I love the way Paul put it when he wrote to the church at Ephesus he would say in the third chapter, look, when, when Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him, you will find that you, your roots will grow and that you'll find strength in him and God's love will remain strong for you. That's what we want is roots in Christ. The most common way for that to happen is through spiritual practices. Worship is one of those spiritual practices. Reading God's Word is one of those spiritual practices. Praying to God is a spiritual practice. Generosity is a spiritual practice. And so I ask you, how are you staying connected to God with your spiritual practices? The more we can engage in those disciplines, the more we will stay connected to the vine, and He will bring life and He will offer fullness. When we look for other sources of connection, we don't find life. We, we find other things. 
and they're rarely helpful. Let's stay connected. The last thing Jesus points out to us in John chapter 15 is that we need to stay productive. And all he means by that is faithfulness is good. That is to say, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. That's where faith begins, right, is faithfulness. I want to remain committed. But fruitfulness is what he's looking for. Jesus would say it several times, we will be known by our that is to say, the things that we say, the things that we do, the ways that we emulate God's love found in Jesus. We will be known by our fruit. Paul the apostle would say that that's the fruit of the Spirit, that we need to emulate that fruit, that that's the way we produce what it is God is calling us to. When Paul would write to the churches in Galatia in that region, he would say in Galatia chapter 5, now the fruit of the Spirit are these nine things, Right? Love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we emulate those, when we are those things, the world takes note. It is clearly important to believe in Jesus. It is utterly important that we understand and study God's Word. But it is more important that we live that fruit so that the world knows this makes a difference. So the world realizes this is something different. These people are kind and loving, gracious and patient. They are generous and faithful. They even have self-control. What a concept in the 21st century, right? When we're productive, we can only be so when we've allowed the pruning and we keep connected. And once that's true, then it's, it just sort of comes. We find ourselves capable of being loving and patient and full of joy and kind and uh, considerate to others. And that's what the world is looking for, right? So friends, our, our goal in all of this is to recognize Christ is providing a way, a literal lifeline, he is our vine. And when we find ourselves connected to Him and living for Him in all of our days, we will not only find life, but we will thrive. We will find vitality. We will be full of the fruit of the Spirit, and the world will recognize that. And the world will take note and want to be a part of that. And it will literally become one of the best forces of evangelism that there is, that we live the gospel of Jesus because we have remained connected to him. Remember his words, verse 5 of this chapter. Jesus says it plainly, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me as I have abided in you, then you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So let's remain connected. Let's stay connected. Let's receive that pruning. And let's recognize the power of what it means to be fruitful in all of our days. And then we will 
fulfill this wisdom that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in chapter 3, where he just said, with God's power working in us, God can do much. In fact, far more than we could ever think or imagine. May that be so this day and the next, that we find Jesus as our true vine, that we remain connected, and that we live fruitfully for Him every single day. May it be so for me, for us, and for the kingdom of God. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you that you indeed are the vine grower and that we can find sustenance and life and vitality in the vine. And God, because we've remained connected and we've received your pruning and because we know we can be productive and fruitful, God, may we, may we find that life source and give it away. May we be the branches that bear much fruit and offer and build your kingdom this day and the next. God, this is our prayer. And we lift it in the name of the one true vine, Jesus. Amen.